From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 94. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile, Pingdom, and Ministry of Supply. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined now with an ocean separating us by Jason Snell. Oh, it's so sad when you put it that way. We were just across the table from one another uh, last week, and now here we are, back in our places. I'm back in my uh, garage office, and you are back in your office in London. Yeah, uh, I, I spent time in the garage office as well, didn't I? You did. You did, did you leave something? Is there something taped under my chair? Don't look. Is there a mouse under there? Don't look. Okay. Good. It's a present from me. All right. Wow, what a week, huh? So it's, it's been a week since the keynote. Um, Big week. Where me and you were running around San Francisco, finding an Airbnb to record in. Mm-hmm. But what, uh, yeah, then since then, I guess we should maybe catch up, right, about some of the stuff that's happened in between last week's episode of Upgrade and this week. Because as we say on the show, we like to be first, you know, so yes. uh, th- th- that episode was recorded as soon as we could. Um, I've had, uh, throughout the week, I've had many people questioning our scoring methods for the uh, draft. But it doesn't matter how it's scored, I always win. So. Exactly. I, it does, that's ex- you made the point that I was going to make, which is we can discuss scoring, and perhaps if we do this again, uh, we should determine what the scoring yeah. system is in case there's a controversy. We will learn from our previous draft, right? B- but it was not a problem this time. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't close. So it, no, you know. So there we go. Uh, one thing that we both participated in was the very first RelayCon WWDC. Mm-hmm. That was a fun evening. So if you want to go and hear that, um, we had some surprises in store, which they're not really secret anymore. Um, so there was a, we we set out a few panels. We had myself, Federico, and Steven to connected at the beginning. Um, then we did a live robot or not, which mm-hmm. was an, an incredible amount of fun to be sitting in between the two of you, throwing in my thoughts which nobody wanted. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that led to a great moment, though, where you're like, "This is the point where I get to I get to interject into this conversation with questions and skepticism." And it was that was really funny. Um, yeah, uh, that was, I like that. that. You know, I got to do what everybody wants to do, mm-hmm. which is to shout at John for being crazy. Yeah, uh, I got exactly. to do it. So you can go to that, and then uh, Serenity joined us, and we had a, a more chats about iOS and watchOS, and and then yeah. kind of my big my big surprise, my one more thing is I convinced uh, our good friend Mr. CGP Gray to come to San Francisco to participate in RelayCon. That was so much fun for me to do that, and and he did, and in person he does not look like a robot. No, he doesn't. Well, unless he, he was wearing his uh, person skin that day. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Yeah, so it's, it's all just a, a, a facade. So it's like it's like uh, four podcast episodes in about seventy minutes. Yeah, that's an episode. It's yep. it's packed. It is action packed, and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think everybody else did. We've had great response from the episode so far. So this is just the first. Um, we will be doing RelayCon WWDC next year, and we're hoping to have uh, a much larger audience as well. So uh, yeah. That's something to look out for. Wow, finding what, a what finding fun. a venue is always tricky for for that because it's oh very expensive and yep. it's hard to find a, a place to have it. And this was a small one, and 
I, you, you guys took the risk uh, when you were putting it together because you had to put down a deposit, right? Before we even knew for sure that that was the week, you had to put down yep. a, a, a deposit. And that, there was a question of like, are people going to show up? Mm-hmm. Uh, will people want to come? And it turns out, of course, that it sold out almost immediately. And there were a lot of people who were wanting to come and couldn't. And that's great. So hopefully that will inform next year. Yep. It will be more big San Francisco deposits made in a year's time. Oh, boy. <laughs> They are big deposits, let me tell you. <laughs> they are. They are. That's how we that's how we do it here. Thanks to our sponsors as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um me and Steven also participated in the new tradition of uh WWDC keynote clockwise. Mm-hmm. So we've done yeah. this like three or four years in a row now, I think. Me and Steven have been your guests during WWDC week. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fun when a Relay podcast can have the found- that has two guest slots to fill can have the founders of the network on. And when we're all together at an event, um, it's kind of a fun thing to do. And you, you guys know how the format works and all of that. So that's that's useful. We're good at watching the clock, me and Stephen. We're very good You're, at that. We were, we were doing a lot of watching the clock last week, um, sometimes on clockwise and sometimes not. The clock is always watched. Yeah, sure, exactly. And this this extends your lead in yes. the relay era of Clockwise as yes. the most frequent guest. I'm never going to give it up. But you're not quite at the level of the all-time lead, so you've still got some work to do there. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that half of a... Uh, but 11 a appearances win. for you, so good job. It's it's basically because whenever you do a live clockwise, I tend to be in attendance. <laughs> like I just yeah. tend to be there all the time. So I just you're just like right, you come with me clockwise time. It's like and you you and Renee Ritchie are the, yep. are my go to clockwise uh, road people. Uh, we also attended the talk show, um, the live yes. episode of the talk show. We actually sat next to each other, which was nice, mm-hmm. um, and we were laughing and uh, making little uh, snarky comments throughout. <laughs> The episode, uh, which I think many people will want to do, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, we learned some interesting things, I think. Here. We really did, yeah. And we're going to get into probably, I think, the most interesting a little later on. And it's good that now the video is posted, and uh, I more did a transcript of the of the conversation. So there are ways for people who weren't there to dig in and see what was you know what these little tidbits were. Where especially like Craig Federighi, you know, not being being a technical guy and not a marketing guy, he said some stuff that probably you know Apple's marketing group, as represented by Phil Schiller sitting right next to him, might have might have said, "Why give that level of detail?" But speaking to a developer audience, I think he felt like comfortable going into a little more detail and it was really great uh great stuff great little tidbits uh, this actually further enforces my belief that uh, federighi is not trusted to be on his own in these things <laughs> like, maybe not maybe not i mean th- th- that may be the reason it's like well we- could we have craig this year and 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 apple's response perhaps to grouper was you can have craig and Phil. Because <laughs> if you think about it, every time Federighi has been on the talk show, somebody else is with him, right? So Q is with him. I think when they yeah. did the Swift thing, they had somebody else there as well. Um, I-, I think that they don't trust Federighi because uh, he's, he seems like a bit of a wild card, that guy. Well, I think also... Um and we'll talk about the content later, but just in terms of the presentation, uh, I think Federighi is interesting because we see him, our relationship with him, 
as people who observe this from the outside is that Craig Federighi is the guy on stage and he started out nervous and now he's actually pretty good and his his presentations are funny. Um, and you can see his personality come through. Um, at the talk show, what I noticed was, you know, he's a he's a gi- giant computer nerd. He is, right? Yep. And and I feel like actually, um, I... I, I was. I think I might even mention this to you. I I kind of think that Apple does him a disservice and does itself a disservice when they only put Federighi out there in these controlled situations. And I get exactly what you're saying, which is that that Craig Federighi is a little bit of a loose cannon, maybe, and they want to watch him because he might he might say stuff that they don't want him to talk about. But he brought a level of technical credibility just in some of the detail that he threw out on stage to that developer audience that I think I think is actually pretty good because it yep. shows you another side of him that he's not just this uh, pitch man with with big hair. He's the guy who runs the software development effort at Apple and that he knows his stuff and that he can speak uh, about technical decisions Apple makes. And that goes against something that Steve Jobs really believed in, which is the idea that Apple's almost a black box and you know you don't reveal uh, to the public, you don't tell them uh, the secrets of your magic tricks. Yep. But I think... I think there's some value in having somebody, especially who's as good at this as Craig Federighi, open up a little bit more about, like, the. F- it's not even huge detail, but it's like the fact that Apple. Of course, Apple sweats the details. Of course, Apple works really hard and thinks about its options before it makes decisions. And we can agree or disagree with the end result of those decisions. But I like that 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 he dove in and said some things that were like extra technical. I think that actually is to the benefit of him and Apple. So I'd like to I'd like them to put him in more positions like that. Uh, but I also get why they have a minder for him, which yeah. is that it, it is not what they're used to. He wants to get into detail that Apple's tends to be not comfortable yeah. to share. He wants I to think nerd that, out. That's why it ends up being this way. Yeah, he exactly. He wants to nerd out, and they just won't let him do that, right? Uh, and there was also a moment I can't remember exactly what it was he said, but he was kind of uh, beating up the macOS name a little bit, which was very yeah. funny, which we all appreciated. And he, you know, he was talking about like rehearsals of the keynote and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, like things that Apple like to kind of keep a bit more Christmas magic. Well. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing, right? It's like, no, 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 it's just the keynote just happens like that. It's totally natural. We don't spend hours and hours and hours rehearsing it and getting it exactly right. That's the magic trick part of it. And and he, you know, but again, I, I see this as being, Apple Apple doesn't often speak uh, openly to a, a, a technical audience like developers at, the, at WWDC. They, they generally, they're so big now that they speak to this broad audience and they think about... Uh, their PR and their marketing in terms of this broad lens of everybody. Um, and that's the other thing I liked about this in general, and Federighi in particular is, and and what I liked about uh, Phil Schiller with Gruber last year is um, he was able to acknowledge um, the elephant in the room. No, literally, he got to acknowledge the fact that Marco wrote a blog post on stage last yep. year about yep. Apple's qual- software quality. They, they get to, because th- that's the thing is, it seems like they don't, care or notice stuff that happens in our little nerdier group because they're so focused on the big picture which from a discipline standpoint in terms of PR is the right thing to do. Apple's a huge company the people in our sphere are a very tiny very focused but very tiny part of the of the much larger world around us um, but in a venue like this you get to see that you get to see like oh they're paying attention they just you know they just don't want to have that be the message the PR message they want to stay more disciplined and, and, and speak to their, their target for this 
this. But um, a little of that comes through in these talk show things, which is why I'm so glad they're doing them and that 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 uh, that you have Apple executives on stage at a, a, a essentially a talk show for developers. That's great. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I also took my first trip to One Infinite Loop. Never been there before. Ah, uh, did you power slide? <laughs> you know what? We power almost slide the rental car. Looking for <laughs> a parking space. Ah. Uh, it, oh yeah, it's 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 actually parking's really bad there mm-hmm. these days. They have they have they are full, and they they have like a valet parking service now. For uh, although there's some guest parking, there's usually you can get some guest parking. Yeah, they had a uh, they had a kind of a guest car park, um, but it was it was full. We, we uh, were well, in there for a while circling. It is WWDC week, right? Yeah. So probably they have a lot of visitors uh, that week. But often often it's not. I, that's where I when I bought you. Uh, See, I bought you that pen, and then you ended up going to One Infinite yep. Loop. I, I didn't even need hey, to buy you that there's pen. There's like four colors, so it helped me. Yeah, you know. All right. Um, one thing that really shocked me was that people can just drive in. Oh, yeah. Like, that's so f- interesting to me. Like, this is like the most secretive company in the world, but you can just, you can just drive in. And, it, uh, you know, I expected more security on the door or something. Well, Infinite Loop, I think, and I think this goes back to just when it was constructed. That's a public street. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't notice that because it definitely looked like I was just driving into a company. I mean, Apple has a, the the Infinite Loop that goes around the the, cent, the central complex there. I mean, there are parking lots on the outside and buildings on the inside. But um, I think it's probably a public street. It's got the public street signs and all of that. And that probably goes just back to when they decided to build it and the decisions they made, the land use decisions. The other funny thing is that in that, that parking lot, there's a um, there's a restaurant and an office building that are on that block that just sort of like never, you know, they never got consumed by Apple. Huh. And so there's when you turn in, when you make the left to, to go into uh, uh uh, Mariani Avenue, and then to Infinite Loop. There's like a uh, there's like a foundation headquarters on the corner, and there's a BJ's uh, pizza place that's in that block too, which Apple employees will go to and have a beer. Um, and why are they there? Why is that not just all Apple for that entire square? And you know, it just isn't. That's just quirks of when they uh, got the land to build that complex. So I would imagine that the new Apple campus has. Uh, well, in fact, I, I think we know this now that they, they have the way the access works there is that there's like an entry point, right? And where they where they are going to have their like store museum thing and uh, parking and 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 like a vi- visitor access and you know all other access is employee access and and is different. But but yeah, you can just drive around Infinite Loop, park wherever, walk right into the the store. Which, which also, I mean, has always been there basically for a long time. Also, kind of unApple-like in a, in a way that they, that Apple's like, yeah, we have a retail store that that predates our other retail stores where you can buy like merch, and here it is on our campus. It's really funny, but uh, it's it's been a thing and it's still a thing. So yeah. So did you, so it was good. It was a good trip. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest part of that trip was we went and had a great day at Facebook too, but. Um Right. Going out to see One Infinite Loop, we just went to the company store, we bought the mm-hmm. obligatory merchandise, took some pictures, and then went on our way. I mean, that's the only place you can get, you can get like, Apple-branded t-shirts and pens and things that are not... You can, It's an Apple store now, which it... Yep. Well, I guess it was always... It always sold products, and if you're an employee, you can go there and use your discount, um, and that, that they ask you if you're an employee. In fact, did they do that with you? No. 
No? Oh, okay. I, I get that. I get that from them where they're like, you have the employee discount? And I'm like, no, I'm just a regular person. <laughs> and they're like, There probably price. is so many people there that week that they yeah. just assume that everybody isn't. So they used to have, you know, it, some hardware available, but like now it looks like an Apple store. They rebuilt it and it, now it looks like an Apple store. Um, but in the corners, you'll find the oddities. You'll find the, the things that are, are, are essentially one-offs, which I'm, I'm a little... I mean, it makes it special. Um, at the same time, I feel like, you know, could Apple not have T-shirts in every Apple store? <laughs> but they don't. It's at the company store. That's it. The, the, the one infinite loop store. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the other stuff that's happened uh, in the past week, you know, from talking to developers and spending time in San Francisco. But before yep. we do, let's take our first break and thank Smile for sponsoring this week's episode. I want to tell you today about PDF Pen. It's time for you to stop the never-ending cycle of receiving a document, scanning it, printing it, signing it, and then faxing it again. You need to adopt the paperless life, and it's time for you to get PDF Pen, the ultimate tool for editing PDFs. With PDF Pen, you'll be able to take total control of the PDFs that are in your life. You can add text and graphics super easily. So, you know, you can add your name in and things like that. If you're signing a document, you can add the date and all that kind of stuff. You can make corrections to things. You can redact sensitive information. So if you're sending maybe a contract or some kind of letter to someone and you want to redact something, it's very super easy to do that. And there's so much more. Whatever you need, PDF Pen has got it. And the new PDF Pen 8 will further enrich your PDF creation and editing experience. You'll be able to make audio notes now, which is fantastic. You can record them in place with your PDF document. You'll be able to access file attachments. You can now export to Microsoft Word whilst offline. It used to do this processing thing that needed an internet connection, but no longer with PDF Pen 8. And you'll also be able to sign documents with digital signatures, allowing you to send and receive PDFs with a greater degree of trust than ever before. PDF Pen continues to get greater. You can learn more about PDF Pen at smilesoftware.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show. All right, then, Mr. Snell. So over the week, you know, talking to developers and stuff, you kind of start to get a feel for what people are excited about and what they're not. Um, And one of the things that I think I was seeing a lot of excitement about from a user perspective and also a developer perspective was sticker packs in messages. (laughs) Yep. I guess stickers are a thing. (laughs) I mean, you know, I was excited about them as a user, right? Because I like them. I want to be able to send silly things to people. But what was interesting as the week went on is we found out that it's incredibly easy to add stickers into messages with your current application. It's super simple to make one, like a make a brand new app. Or it's super simple to add messages, uh, add stickers to your existing app. And basically what it seemed like is all you need to do is put images in a folder in your Xcode file, and you're done. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's interesting because um, part of the interest here is the people who don't develop software can now have a product and on the App Store, hey. which is which is selling which is selling uh, you know artwork essentially for for stickers and messages. And uh, this is going to be my repeated refrain. I think we talked about it last week a little bit, but you know people are going to roll their eyes at all the silly things that are in messages because you know I don't know phones are serious, smart computers are serious, and we should take them more seriously. But the fact is, stickers are one of the widely wildly popular things in messaging services, um, where apps like Line have made huge businesses at selling sticker packs as well as giving away free stuff. Um, 
And uh, and so it's great that Apple is is doing this, and it's great because like, for example, a podcast network like Relay that has made stickers over the over the years, over the two years that Relay's been around, um, you know, you can, and I know somebody did, somebody actually, somebody at RelayCon, the event on Monday night took pictures of the stickers that we handed out there and made a sticker pack yep. with the pictures of the stickers. Just kind amazing. amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'll it, find that. I'll put it in the show notes. I believe it was a guy called Kim, and he made an incredible, like, incredibly quickly he put it together um, and presented uh, an iMessage sticker pack of the stickers that we gave out. It was... It, this is showing, like, the, how... If you know what you're doing, and even if you don't, really, it's super (laughs) easy to get these things done, and it makes me excited. You know, like we're looking at how we could do more of that and put put them into the relay app so they can be using messages. And and I loved an article that you wrote actually um, on MacWorld because it it kind of put into perspective and expanded on something that I've been thinking about, which is that sticker packs are a way that Apple is demonstrating that they are moving with market forces. Right. You you saw me get the idea for this story. Uh, did I? Yes. At, at the talk show, mm-hmm. I opened up reminders and put oh, in yes. a note that said what how messages is like, like notes. notes. I remember that. I remember that. Um <laughs> And that's this that's this article because the my, the whole premise of the article is that okay we can all say why messages why why so much effort into messages and one of the reasons is uh, look back to notes last year uh, notes Apple said uh, some huge percentage of iPhone users use notes and um, they basically had it and they didn't say this on stage but it was very clear they had a realization like wow if people are going to use this we better make it good. And um, they said on stage this year, Messages is the most frequently used iOS app. Like, period. Full stop, as you would say. Um, And, uh, well, geez, I guess we should put more effort into it if it's the number one app, right? (laughs) And so, and look at, 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 in a huge growing category where these other apps have great success with a lot of these fun features that aren't in Messages. And so that that that's the way they went. That's where they decided to go. And you can see they're they're following market trends. They're listening to how the users are using their products. And if the users use you know, no tech it's like no battle plan survives an encounter with the enemy. No technology survives an encounter unscathed with uh, the users. The users do we've known this for decades. Users use computers and software for all sorts of things that are not why it was made, right? And rather than going, no, 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 that's not supported, don't do that, what Apple's doing here is going like, oh, I guess people really do want a good camera in the iPad. Who knew? Or, oh, I guess selfies are a thing. Maybe we should make that camera better. And uh, upgrading notes fits in there, and and this year, upgrading messages fits right in there. Uh, Like, if you look at the App Store right now, it's kind of dominated by apps that are pretending to be emoji, which are really just custom keyboards that are basically stickers you copy and paste an image into messages there is right you know and and i assume apple probably would like those to be better supported better implemented and and out of the top charts of the app store right so they're creating a place now in that this is honestly why i believe they created an iMessage store as well is so stuff like this doesn't like fill up the app store because it's like celebrity emoji and celebrity stickers they're always going to go straight to the top 
You know, Justin Bieber releases his pseudo emoji pack and it's like straight up at number one. I think they right. would maybe like that to be away from there and kind of because right now it's highlighting some weird implementation stuff that Apple has, right? Like that the, the custom keyboards can't really they can't paste images and stuff like that so it looks a bit weird so i think they're just trying to like hey guys come over here like it's real nice over here this in the messages app you can put your stickers there but i wanted to read a, a little quote there from your article which i thought was was uh, was quite poignant you said technology has been repurposed by users for purposes far beyond those intended by its creators from the very beginning in the early days of the web i built pages inside of an email client today i edit podcasts using a tool designed for music production and I just thought, so true. It's like people find the things they want to do and they bend the rules and they twist them and push them yeah. and take it to their extremes. And then the best thing for a company that makes this stuff to do is to listen to those people, look at what they're doing and give them something that allows them to create this stuff easier so they can continue to push and bend and break in other ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. That that I mean, it's not always the case. There are always examples where it's like, well, I don't want to break what this app is for in order to use it in this other way. I understand that, but I think there's just so much in most cases, there's so much you can you can learn as the maker of any product about, oh, they're using it that way. That's interesting. What does that tell me about my product? Can I do things to make that better? Um and software is so flexible compared to like a, you know, a tool you get at the hardware store or something like that where you'll be like, "Oh, I didn't know you could use a hammer for that." Um uh, but we're it's still a hammer it's just it's going to stay a hammer uh with software you can you can uh think uh differently about that and uh and uh you know change what the product is or make a different version of the product that does something a little bit different and and uh i see apple doing that right now yep 100 percent uh one of the other things that i got from talking to people over the week it felt like overall it's been a pretty good year for enhancements for developers without anything that has completely undermined them, you know. There wasn't a feeling of like, oh, no, Apple's given me six months of really hard work, you know, like when they did like yeah. iOS 7 and stuff like that, um, which I thought we were going to see something like that with a, with a dark mode, but that, that hasn't happened. In a, what's quite funny in a turn of events, every piece of dark UI in iOS has turned white. Uh, which I find kind of hilarious <laughs> when I was expecting a dark mode and they just turned it into lighter mode. You could argue that maybe that was a sign that they were thinking about doing a darker mode so they lightened everything in the standard interface so That's that they my could hope. flip it. That is, honestly, that is my hope. Like it's that we get it now and then later we get a dark mode. I don't think it will happen mm -hmm. now until next year with yeah. this with a potential OLED phone. Or yeah, that's that. Well, that would be the reason to do it, right? Or or I mean, you could see it in a ten point one or a ten point two because I think we're all figuring that they're that they're going to probably uh, do an update. Uh, or at least we're all hoping with uh, some more, especially iPad-y features mm -hmm. uh, mid midstream. But yeah. Oh, I have one more thing. Um, I had uh, dinner with uh, it was Chinese food. You right after ReliCon, and you guys missed it. They closed, they lo locked the doors and turned yeah. off the lights after yeah. we went in there. Yeah, nice work. Which is which is too bad. We didn't realize that they closed at nine, and we walked in at eight fifty nine, and they served us, and they, but they closed and locked the doors. Anyway, um, one of the people at that table was Craig Hockenberry, and back to your point about about developers feeling like uh, this was this was good, and 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 they weren't going to ruin their summer. I mean, that's what Craig told me. Craig from the Icon Factor. He was like. I, I don't feel like my summer was ruined. Yeah. I mean, he said that, he said it that way, and that is some years developers look at this and I'm like, oh man, we got to do. 
we, so much and and uh, to adopt all these things by the time the OS ships. And this time it's more like a whole bunch of little things here through, scattered throughout. Yep. I'm surprised that nobody has made this or or, or I haven't seen a, a groundswell of support for the idea that this is what we asked for in terms of OS updates, which is a whole bunch of little things pushing the platform forward and not some giant new thing that breaks a lot of, a lot of stuff. I think we um, need to see how the rest of the year goes, you know, because I sure. know that's what we were asking for and what we believed that 9.3 was going to give us. I think after maybe we see what 10.1, 10.2, 10.3, 10.4 could be, then right. I think we can make that that claim. It does feel like this is the start of that, right? Because it's like super focus on one app. I mean, I know they said there were 10 features in iOS, yeah. but really, it was messages, right? Like, that was that was a real big one. And the interface changes with the notifications. And, I mean, those are those are the big things that yeah. happened in this. In this. But, but it's good for developers. Developers like the fact that they, uh, you know, Apple isn't shipping something uh, in a developer beta that yep. is going to require them to completely re- you know, re-implement and overhaul their apps in order to get something out on ship day. It's not that kind of an update. And no. if you're a developer, you know, Apple can can eat your summertime. <laughs> oh yes. Um, so they were. I think there was a lot of relief from developers that this was cool stuff that they liked and that they wanted to play with, but that they didn't feel it was one of these things where if they weren't there with a new app on day one, they were going to be out of luck. One thing that's annoyed me is thinking about the Siri API and realizing that there's no audio intent. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Marco thinks that way too. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, there, this is such a an obvious one to do. Uh, I can't work out why it's not here. You know, like, so basically, in case you're not familiar, the intents of the things that you can do with uh, what they're calling SiriKit, um, which I don't think they mentioned that name on stage. I think they, they called didn't. it the Siri API, or did they call it SiriKit? They didn't, I don't think they called it SiriKit in the, in the keynote. No, I, I don't remember that either, but that is, that is what it's called. Um, and there are things that you're able to do, like... Um, VoIP calling, photo search, payments, messaging, ride booking, workouts, and uh, climate and radio, which is specifically designed for CarPlay. Also, something I didn't hear them mention. I just saw that on the documentation page. Um, so these are intent. These intents are. They remind me of the multitasking that came with iOS four. It's like here are a bunch of things that we can do. You can't do everything. You have to be one of these types of applications. And I think that audio is such an obvious one. Like Siri play connected on overcast or siri play taylor swift on spotify um it feels like an obvious one for audio but they haven't done it which leads me to ask questions of why which takes me down uh rabbit holes of like questioning apple as in like did you do this because you don't want people to say play taylor swift on spotify like why didn't you do this i don't think so my guess is that they made a list of of different categories that they wanted to support with with uh the siri api and that the audio one just was below the list like because they can't do they can't do yeah. them all i mean that's what i would assume yeah they can't do everything they you know but it- but they may they may also there may be some sort of like uh internal bias of like well we've got apple music and podcasts app and that's all anybody ever needs so let's not worry about it but unfortunately uh that's not true you you have people using spotify and people using overcast and wouldn't it be great if i i could say ahoy telephone play the latest episode of the flop house in overcast and i can't 
Yeah, and I and I honestly think this is a big miss, and I hope that the next version of Siri Kit gets this because this feels like the one that would really be useful to me for what I use my phone for. In all honesty, uh, I would like to be able to shout out. I'm a little disappointed with uh, how Siri uh, ha- has handled audio. I mean, you can get it to play things if you are lucky using the existing stuff, but it's not. I would say it's not actually a lot better than voice control, which is the old. Uh, the, before there was Siri, there was voice control, where with no internet connection, you could do basic voice commands, largely to uh, just control your audio. And I feel like it hasn't really evolved a whole lot past that. And I want it to be more flexible and understand my playlist better, or make guesses about what I want and ask me if this is what I want. And I, I, I still don't feel like it's, uh, it's great. So, so I, I wonder. If Apple feels like I don't know, like this is it's good enough now, and they're not going to worry about it, but it, it's ripe. It's ripe for this. I agree. Voice control, by the way, made a cameo on stage on, during the keynote, um, and people had forgotten what it was, and they're like, "Oh, is that a new feature?" Uh, when I, I think Craig held the uh, the button down too long, and it was on a phone where Siri was disabled. And so, because it was a beta and a demo, huh. and uh, voice control came up for a minute, and the guy behind me was like, "Voice control," and I'm thinking, "Yeah, that's because it's yeah, anyway. It's huh. it's that's not a new feature; it's a very old feature. It's still there. Good spot. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I really do. I can look at ride booking, and I'm like, ride booking, ride booking made the list. Like, does yeah, anyone but- want to book a ride without seeing the UI of where I think you're pick- you're being picked up from and where you're going? I- yeah. I look at that one and I'm like, that made it in over audio? I just don't get it. I, I, can, I can come up with some theories about it, about what their priorities are. and and and. But what's the use case of that? That you're somewhere where you can talk to your phone, but you want and you and you want to ride i'm not you know maybe it's related to map related stuff i i don't know I, maybe it maybe it is, does come down to that mike which is that uh apple doesn't do ride booking and uh apple does do music and so they feel like the need is less because we have these great apple music and podcast app solutions for you um but i this first thing i thought of obviously as a not as just as a podcast maker but as a podcast and music listener that having the ability to i was thinking specifically of overcast being able to control that when i'm in the car and tell the lady to play a different podcast or whatever um and uh, you know, and ultimately tell my um, tell like my Apple Watch to do that too. That would be great, but it's not not yet, not yet. They've said it's very clear this is going to be like multitasking, where they start with a very narrow range and then they expand from there because they're building out these intents where um, the developer doesn't have to parse any of the language. That's all good. That's all good. It's just that the, these are the ones they chose to start with, and it's. It, I think it's fair to say, um, huh, to a few of the of the decisions about which ones to support. Something we didn't see any of at WWDC, I think to surprise from some, was hardware. No hardware announced know, right? at all. Um, I was expecting at least something, irrespective of what was being said. Yeah, I think in the end, I mean, we've said it before, hardware is not uh, mandatory at WWDC. It's not like they don't do it, but they don't have to do it because it really is about the software. And they made the point, we've got four platforms yep. at this point. It was a packed. It was so packed that they moved the uh, developer announcements out. There was a bunch of other stuff that kind of uh, was below the radar because it's it's just not, um, you know, it, was, it didn't fit. It was a packed sure. two hours, and Apple is firm at two hours. Like, they don't want to go over two hours. And so I'm sure at some point... 
let's based on the rumors, I think there's some hardware that's basically ready um, that they could have announced and that they would have announced if they didn't have a lot of other things to say. But uh, they did. They, they filled the keynote. So just save it and announce it. Who knows? Maybe they'll announce it, you know, this week or next week. They, it might be soon if they've got hardware that is uh, in production that might be ready to go and ship in, you know, July or something like that, uh, that they could do that later and then make another little splash. Um, but I think bottom line, it felt to me like that keynote was completely packed and Federici says, said as much at the talk show. And I believe them that, that it's just like, if you've got so much OS stuff to tell developers at WWDC, um, just save save your hardware for another time. So I would like you to look into your crystal brain ball. And oh yes, predict. You touch you, you touch the brain ball again. You again. came and uh, I need yeah. every year. I need to to hold it to to drain my power. You know, like I need it for the rest of the year. I well, I also I also stole your power because we did a Bono uh, Tim Cook uh, finger touch. We did. I made I made you do that, and everybody around went, "No, don't do it!" And you did it, and it's like now I stole your soul. All right, I got the brain ball here. All right, so I want to get from you. I have four th- four items here, and I want you to tell me when you think they're going to be out. Mm-hmm. Watch two. Uh, announced September, arriving uh, October, and you think that will be announced with the next iPhone? I assume to watch yeah. it. Yeah. When will we see the new MacBook Pro with the OLED sensor bar touch display thing? Uh, July. New Mac Pro? <sighs> um, <laughs> Sounds a little bit more difficult. Summer. Okay. How do we keep score on these? <laughs> Someone will. <laughs> Somebody okay. out there, keep score. Uh, All right. Cinema display. Same right time now. as the Mac Pro. So they'll come together summer. in the summer. So basically we're looking at New MacBook Pro in July, the Watch 2 in September, and sometime in between, new Mac Pro with the cinema display. Or at the same time as the MacBook Pro, but that that might be later. Th- those are my guesses. I have no information here. If I had information, I would be cagey about it, but I have no information. I'm going on seeing the rumor reports and making some guesses, but that would be yeah. my guess, is that the rumor about the MacBook Pro especially is that it's it's coming um, and if that's true, it's probably going to be announced soon. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if they announce it in the next few weeks and say it's shipping immediately or shipping in a few weeks after that. The Mac Pro, you know, I don't know the vagaries of Intel uh, chip availability and when they're going to turn it around. But there sure. seems to be a lot of conversation about the Mac Pro and the cinema display. That could ship. That could uh, that, uh, that could slip. It could be anywhere into like December uh, before they do it. But I hope it's sooner than that. So I'm going to wish cast a little bit and say summer whether it's at the same time as the MacBook Pro or maybe it's just something that happens in in August when there's not a lot going on and they drop a new uh, Mac Pro because that's not Mac Pros aren't really tied to buying cycles in some ways uh, as much. It's not a consumer product. Um, at the same time, it's so old, the version that's out there now, that they've got to feel some pressure to turn it over with a new one. Um, but if it's doing Thunderbolt 3, and if there's a display that's coming that dis- that that is based on Thunderbolt 3, and they're going to roll out Thunderbolt 3 with the MacBook Pros, perhaps what's happening here is that there's some constraints. Like, they want everything, they want to be able to tell this story and have confidence that the products will ship, and it may be that, that that's just not... Um, happening yet and so some of this stuff has been delayed because they can't be sure that they're going to be able to ship them in in or in ship them in quantity uh but those are my guesses somebody okay. keep score okay this episode is also brought to you by p 
Pingdom. You can start monitoring your websites today by going to pingdom.com slash upgrade. When you go there, you'll see that you'll get a lovely 14-day free trial of Pingdom. And then when you enter the offer code upgrade at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first invoice. If you have any kind of site on the internet, you need Pingdom because they are focused making the web faster and more reliable for everyone. They do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services that will help you monitor the availability and performance of your server, database, or website. Pingdom takes care of this with their more than 70 global test servers. And what they do is they will emulate visits to your site, checking its availability all around the world as often as every minute. These days, websites are so complicated that they often include several dependencies. So let's say that you own a store, but your store is attached to your overall website, right? So you have your intro pages, your about pages, you have a support page, and you have your store. What if the store went down and that meant nobody could buy anything? Or what if the contact page went down, which meant nobody could get support from you, but the rest of the website was fine. You don't want this to happen. So this is why Pingdom makes it possible to monitor all of these key interactions independently. So you'll know if not just your whole site is down, but if one key piece of functionality is down. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages on the web. That's more than 500,000 every single day. So regardless of whether you have a small site or you're managing an entire infrastructure, it is incredibly important to monitor your availability and performance. All that Pingdom needs is the URL you wish to monitor, and they'll take care of the rest. You'll be alerted immediately. You don't want to be caught when someone wants to access your site, but it's down. You'll be able to fix any downtime before it affects you. Go and check out Pingdom today. You'll be the first to know when your site is down. Go to pingdom.com upgrade for a 14-day free trial. And for 20% off, use the code upgrade at checkout. Thank you so much to Pingdom for their support of this very program. Out of the four platforms that were announced last week, I think that me and you are both the most excited about watchOS 3. I know I am. That's the one I want to try the most, but yeah. I have to install iOS 10 to do it, so <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think I, I want to put it on my phone yet. That's the killer, is I don't want to put iOS 10 Beta 1 on my phone, and that's what's yep. required for me to get. I mean, I could install it on another device and have <laughs> and uh, and pair it there, but then the data is coming from that one, and mm-hmm. I leave the house without the other phone, and then it doesn't... <sighs> yeah. Yeah, because I am excited about it. I I ended up writing. Actually, it's funny. I wrote. There's a. In fact, somebody somebody took a panorama of the new Apple Store at Union Square, um, and then and then said, "Oh, I got Jason writing an article at the new Apple Store at Union Square in my panorama," and he he tweeted it to me. It's very funny. Um, and he it was me. I was there. Huh. I I I had some time between. Uh, I I had a I was in in the morning and I had a lunch, but it, I had like a couple of hours and I worked and I wrote I wrote uh, I think that MacWorld column that um that we referenced earlier uh, I wrote at a Starbucks uh, south of Market and then I I was done with that and I I still had time I still had like an hour and a half before my lunch and it's morning people who are out late the night before they're all asleep so i uh i went to the apple store i thought oh well i haven't been to the new apple store i'll go to the new apple store so i did that and i was walking around and i saw the genius grove and had a chuckle at the isn't it beautiful tre- though the trees it is it is it's amazing it was a windy day so they didn't have the big doors open but just a it's beautiful um, i actually um, 
met it's so funny like uh we were joking gray was joking a bunch about like meet at apple right you know like angela aaron's was saying yeah. that she believes people will meet at apple we met gray at apple me steven <laughs> and we, we hung out there for a while and then we met a few other people there uh kyle's the gray and yep. uh, uh spencer came and we were all hanging out for a bit and it's like oh we are meeting at apple because that store is just so perfect to yeah. hang out in and it's huge, and it overlooks the the center, you know, Union Square, which is pretty. Um, and yeah, it's it's it's. I was impressed. It definitely is. And it feels like an evolution of the Apple Store we know. But it was, uh, and especially WWC week because I ran into I ran into Manton Reese there. I ran, yep. I ran into so many people because they everybody all the nerds were coming up to including me to see it uh, at some point during the during the the week. So I'm very um, excited because the Regent Street store for many right. many months, nearly a year now. Uh, has had just the basement open. So they closed mm. the rest of the store and turned the basement into a small store. Uh, last week, they closed the Regent Street store completely for for mm. the renovations. So they must be close now to reopening it with the new design. And mm. I can only imagine that this one is going to be stupendous. If my facts are correct, the Regent That's Street store is still... The Apple Store that earns the most by square foot, huh? Um, and it's always been, I think, one of the jewels in the crown that Apple have. It's so beautiful, uh, and I cannot wait to see it. I've I've actually heard and seen things online that they're removing the Apple logos from the front of the store. Interesting. I wonder how they're going to play it because they haven't got any, a big sheet of metal to stamp the foil. You know, to, you know, you get the right. mirrored one that they have on the Union Square one. So I'm really excited to see it. Um, and as soon as I see it reopening, I'm gonna I'm gonna head down there and take a look because uh, I think it's going to be pretty incredible. Yeah, the Union Square store because it's got the the aluminum panels on the side with a shiny Apple logo. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like the store looks like a big Apple product, which is funny. Um, and it's just a whole big glass front and, mm -hmm. uh, it's good. Anyway, my point is, cause we kind of, we, we veered over into, into new Apple stores for a minute there is that I wrote this, this piece about being excited about watch OS three, uh, at Apple at, <laughs> so to speak at the Apple store. I just sat down cause I wandered around and I saw everything and then I thought, well, I've got a little time and I have, I have this, I have this idea for a story that maybe I can, you know, I, I usually sit at my desk and write things, but I was roaming around San Francisco and I thought, okay, can I do this? So I sat down with my iPad at a table at the Apple store and I wrote this, uh, wrote this piece, which is, um, you know, the idea that Apple Watch is like a do-over for Watch OS. That uh -huh. this is this is the real opportunity for. Uh, Apple to reinvent like we said last week and like I've been saying all along it's like can will Apple take the opportunity to basically say okay do over we we got some things wrong uh we're gonna we're gonna make it better we're, we've rethought how we we approach uh Apple Watch essentially for the first time because watch OS 2 was really a, a, a an incremental update to the original software that was on the watch and uh and they did they took that opportunity and boy i do wish i could install it today on my on my watch i just don't want to install ios 10 beta 1 on my iphone yeah I'm, i i don't want to do that yet either um and i recommend that most people don't unless they have a device that it's good for you know like, yeah i wouldn't put it on my my main phone right now uh, i have an old air 2 which i'm gonna put 10 on to yeah. Um, and then maybe I usually uh, jump on around beta three or beta four, 
uh, or, or the public beta. So I haven't decided what route right. I'm going to go yet. The public beta, is that July or August? I think it's July. July, okay. So look, maybe after beta 2, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they've thrown the public beta out there. Um, I think, as you mentioned, like this is a complete do-over, and I think it's so clear that Apple have shown not only that they are paying attention to how people use the device, but also they've had more time with it. You know, I'm sure that, that w- the original watchOS was maybe mostly developed without people having the watch, right? Like, yeah. there wasn't a product for them to use, so they developed it in a way that they believed it would be good. And they got a lot of it right, but a lot of it wrong. And honestly, watchOS 3 fixes so many of those things, right? Like, the, the friends button, and not having to use the honeycomb, and the fact that glances and notifications and apps kind of felt like a mess when you put all three of them together. You don't need them all. And, and fixing all of that stuff, it really shows a company that luckily and, and has gone against what I think we're all worried about is not going to just double down on the the things that they didn't get right um, and that they're able to move on from it and it seems like that battery life was the thing that was originally holding them back and Federighi basically yeah. said as much during the talk show I think he I think he even said like we were afraid or or, or to the point of panic yep. that we were n- we were gonna not have uh, enough battery on this thing and they and so they obviously made a priority the battery life like do whatever you do battery comes first yep. and as a result we got a we got a device that for most people i think doesn't use remotely all of the battery in a day i know there are some exceptions to that i've heard people who say that but uh, certainly the uh, you know the people that i i know um, and and in my personal experience, my battery life on the watch is spectacular. Like they overshot, and I think that for an average user, they totally did overshot. Federighi said that he said that there was extra RAM too. They were really worried about about memory, and and uh, and they took their best shot because they were afraid. You never know how people are going to use a product again. And then they've looked over the last you know year and a half and realized, oh, <laughs> uh, we overshot, and that means that means. Here's the th- amazing thing about watchOS 3 and why a lot of times we were talking about this when we were speculating about watchOS 3 and like, would they be able to do these things or uh, on the existing hardware or would there need to be new hardware? Um, and the assumption you make is that there's only so much you can do with the existing hardware because they, you know, you can't upgrade the hardware. It, it is what it is. And you can write software that's a little more efficient, but there's only so much you can get out of that. This watchOS 3 is like a hardware upgrade for existing Apple Watches because they were writing in an envelope that was way inside the actual capabilities of the hardware because they didn't know how people would use it and whether they would really be inside that envelope or not. So they gave themselves a lot of leeway. And with watchOS 3, they're opening it up. So essentially, watchOS 3 is like everybody who has got an Apple Watch suddenly got a bigger battery and more memory on their device. Yep. Federighi actually said we had RAM to spare. Yeah, right. And it was like that was one of those ones where it's like, oh, don't say it. Like I'm pleased you did, but maybe you shouldn't <laughs> have. Uh, and it basically feels like they, as you say, they were just, <laughs> you know, like the ten percent of the brain thing. You know, like you only use ten percent of your brain. That's how mm-hmm. it felt like with the watch, right? They're only using ten percent of the watch, and now they have the ability to like really stretch out. Like I left San Fran. I woke up in San Francisco at like eight a.m. 7 a.m., something like that. And I arrived home in London at 10 p.m. London time, and my watch was still going. That's not needed. I'm really happy that it was like that, 
but it doesn't need to last that long. It's effectively two days. Um, yeah. And the only time that less battery life would ever harm, hurt me is in that exact instance. And even then, I'm like, I can live with that. I have a battery pack with me at all times. I can just charge my my watch for five minutes like I do my phone. I'm totally cool in those scenarios. I, and I think I think Apple has looked at the user profiles of, of, of battery life and has said, look, if you're somebody who has the small watch and you use the fitness features a lot, you may have a battery problem with watchOS 3, but you're an outlier, like way outside of the mainstream. Yep. And yep. we've decided we've decided that from now on, like if you're in that user profile, you're gonna have to top it up. You're just you, you're not gonna get through the day. Yep. But there are so many people who will benefit benefit from this that we're going to make that decision and they're not they may never even say that but i think that's going to be the case is that there are going to be some people who are using especially the smaller watch and use the fitness features and are going to say oh now i can't get through a day and those people will be sad and mad but their watch will be better and including fitness features will be better and the trade-off may be that in that you know for that small percentage of people they do need to you know, top it up or make sure that they leave it on the charger a little bit longer before they leave in the morning or whatever. But uh, it's, I think not seeing numbers, just looking at anecdotal evidence, there are exceptions like that, but most of the people I talk to about it say they've got battery to spare and Apple seems to say the same thing. So they're going to use it. And learning how we use them and trying to make data more instantly available, you know, learning about complications and glances and stuff like that. The whole idea of the first class apps is so smart and, 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 and I think has to be informed by everybody using this for, for, uh, you know, a year and realizing, I mean, they started on this work a year ago, they said, but still they had at least, uh, three months of this product out in the field before they even set down this path. And I think it, I think it would have been clear to them fairly quickly, like, oh, Plus, like you said, probably a lot of these decisions were made before they even had the hardware, um, and then they tweaked it as they go. It's hard. I, I, I would imagine it was hard to reverse, completely reverse some decisions as they were moving toward ship, uh, but now they have the opportunity to do that. And, and so now you look at it and you say, um, okay, apps and glances, that's confusing. Uh, there are too many apps being installed, especially if you, if you have the auto install on. Things don't update on time. How do we solve this? And the answer is we're going to create a tiered system of apps where if an app, if a user shows a preference for an app by putting it in the dock or by putting it on a, on a watch face as a complication, then it's a first-class app. It gets to uh, re- remain in memory. Yep. It gets to run in the background and update its data. All these things that, uh, that no apps basically got to do before. Um, and then every other app that's just sitting there on your watch in the honeycomb, it's like, it's there if you want it, and you're going to launch it, and you'll have to wait for it to launch. But those eight apps or five apps or whatever number, small number of apps that you actually use, the ones that are on your on your watch face, like my weather complication that I looked at the other day, or I looked at yesterday, and it was like 85 degrees, and I looked at my watch, and it said 71. And I tapped on the complication, and it spun for like 40 seconds, and it finally loaded the app. And then I switched back to the complication, and it said 85 degrees. Um, in watchOS 3, that being on the complication on my watch face is enough for the OS to say, oh, um, you app, stay alive, <laughs> and periodically I'm going to ask you to update your data because this is important. And that's, that's going to be huge. That's a huge difference just doing that. Yeah, I'm really excited to to use this. 
Yeah, I think anybody with an Apple Watch, I think this is going to be a big win for for everybody. Um, and and yes, it it will drive me to install a, a, an iOS 10 beta on my main iPhone way sooner than I should because I want to use this. But um, not yet. <laughs> beta one, no. Yeah, maybe. I think maybe I'm going to go public beta on my uh, on my phone. But but you know, we'll see if I can hold out that long, because I really want to use this. Is there a public beta of the watch? Because you might not be able to do it. No, no, but I bet I I bet I bet could do the profile and install from the public beta tends right. to be the same build as a developer beta. And then if I, if I you know, use the developer build of the watch uh, from the public beta, I assume that'll work, or I'll just use the be, be, uh, developer equivalent of the of the public beta if it comes to that but let's see if i can hold out that long because just talking about it now i'm i'm just so excited about it (laughs) um this is this is a a rare example of uh, i mean it's just a it's going to be a huge update for for a a product that as we've talked about before i like it you like it we use them every day um but uh this this ticks all the right boxes right this is exactly what they needed to do uh it looks like that sometimes you look at upgrades uh, and lists of features, and you go, huh? Why? <laughs> why these? Why these features? And uh, and sometimes with things like messages, you're like, oh well, I see why it's the most popular, and there's all these other categories. Got it, got it. With a watch OS update, y- you look at it as a as a watch user, and you're like, oh yeah, they yeah, they got it. They got exactly exactly what they needed to do yep. is what they're doing. Like they obviously everybody involved has gone through everything that all the rest of us have gone through (laughs) and realized that what they need to do and you know that seems obvious except a lot of times that doesn't happen right a lot of times you're like why did you do this and not like i I heard somebody was talking um quite rightly about uh, messages and they said uh okay, all these stickers are great. Are you going to fix all of the sync problems with messages? <laughs> it's like, that's a fair point, right? Like, there are, also, there are also complaints that should probably be addressed, not just new features. But with watchOS 3, it's just like they nailed it, uh, at least in terms of what they announced. We'll see how it works in practice. But in terms of what they announced, it's very clear that they understand exactly what was wrong with the watch. And that's great. Yep. I can't wait. I'm very excited yeah. about it. So just to say, I've got 82% battery life on my watch right now. Uh, it's 4 p.m. and I think I took my watch off the charging stand this morning around 9 or 10 a.m. So, battery to spare yeah. for sure. Yeah. As Tim's also says in the chat room, similar results. Battery to yeah. spare. All right, so I think it's time for some Ask Upgrade. And Ask Upgrade this week is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. Now, there's no way around this. We need to, you know, we, we there's nothing to say. We sweat as humans. We're humans. It's what happens. And very rarely... Do we sweat in places that are convenient? Gym clothes can handle it. They're made for it. But the clothes that you need to wear to work, the clothes that you're commuting in all day, every day, they don't do anything to help you. They're stiff. They're restricting. It makes things worse. This is where Ministry of Supply comes in. They combine performance technology with tailored design to make men's workwear that's actually comfortable and capable. This results in dress shirts and slacks that wick sweat, breathe, and stretch as you move. For example, the Apollo dress shirt has NASA-invented fibers that regulate body temperature based on your surroundings. And as an added bonus, it's all machine washable. So you'll no longer be spending time at the dry cleaners. Uh, Whilst we were in San Francisco... 
few of us got together at Jason's house and had dinner. And there were multiple relay hosts there wearing Ministry of Supply clothes, mm. which I thought was very funny. I uh, left mine in the closet, but I should have put it on. You and just put it joined, on. joined the party of Ministry of Supply shirts, the, the cult or whatever it yep. is. Yeah. So you, uh, if you want to look smart when you're going to dinner at Jason Snell's and also uh. not sweat in the California heat, Ministry of Supply, uh, they've got you covered. You can find out more at ministryofsupply.com slash upgrade. You'll get 15% off your first Ministry of Supply purchase by using the code upgrade. And my very favorite thing, if you live in Boston, San Francisco, and coming soon, Washington, D.C., just mention this show and you'll get 15% off in store as well. Thank you so much to Ministry of Supply for their support of Upgrade, Ask Upgrade, and Relay FM. Woo! Got quite a few questions this week uh, based upon right. last week's announcements. Luke says, uh, what do you think the uh, Apple's timetable will be for adding new app categories to Siri? Uh, maybe a slide during the September event? So this is more stuff to Siri get. When am I going to get my audio API? Do you think? <sighs> I think we're looking at next year, personally. I think I think so. I think, I think that's iOS 11. Which is a real shame, but I can't see them putting anything more into this until then. They want, they want uh- some time to see how it's used. Yeah, outside shot at, at uh, you know an iOS 10.2 or something like that in the spring, but I think it's more likely that they're going to want to sit on the ones that they've implemented and see how they're used and learn from them and use that as the basis for deciding where they go from there. Yep, uh, definitely. I completely agree with you. Um, I, I think they, they would have it if it was ready. They're not going to do it now. Uh, yeah. Kian asked, any thoughts on the removals of widgets from Notification Center? This is one of the interesting things you find out as the week goes on. Uh, currently, in beta 1 of iOS 10, the widgets that you have, so your well, the today view widgets, as they used to be called. Now I think they're just called widgets. Yeah. They will show on your lock screen when you swipe. Is it right? How would you call it? When you Le- want to get to swipe, the left panel. You want to get to the left. You swipe left to right, and, okay. and you move over one to the, uh, to the left panel. Left to right, you get your widgets. Currently, when you pull down Notification Center when your iPhone is unlocked, you cannot swipe left to get your widgets anymore. I have heard, I don't know if this was official, but I was hearing this all over the place during WWDC week, that these are going to return in beta 2. Did you hear that? I haven't heard that, but that that sort of makes sense, because if you want to have access to them uh, from inside an app... Uh, because you can also a- access them from the first. They're the page to the left of the first page of the home screen. Uh-huh. Um, so the one place where they aren't is if you're in an app. If you're in an app, you can't get to them. Um, so if they put it back, that makes sense because that lets you access those widgets from inside another app without leaving it by 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 swiping down. Yep. So that makes sense. Definitely does. But I haven't heard that. No, I, I was hearing it all over the place with people talking about it. So I assume it's official uh, or it's just a little rumor. We'll find out. Nathan wants to know, are there any minor features that came out during the week that caught your eye? So this is one of my favorite things about the days after a WWC keynote. People install the betas and they find out little uh, tidbits that hadn't been previously spoken about. So I have a couple. Uh, the new folder animation I like a lot. Um, it looks really nice when you use it, especially on an iPad. Uh, and what the thing that I like the most about it is that the you still see your background when you open a folder. It doesn't do the zooming in to the folder yeah. anymore. The folder zooms out from the home screen. Uh, it's a slight change, but for me, is an is a nice one uh, as opposed to getting a, a weirdly kind of cropped view of your background. Um, and also, the animation looks great. It doesn't do that thing anymore, which. I'm going to tell you this. If you haven't seen this, this is going to be upsetting for you. Spoilers. Uh, 
Spoilers for uh, iOS. Spoilers for your eyes. If you look at the, uh, if you open a folder and close a folder, you can watch the corner radiuses change. They just flick for a second, and it is, uh, it's a horrifying thing if you catch it. Um, Doesn't happen always, but every now and then you'll see just the corner radiuses flick just for a moment as the folder changes. It doesn't happen anymore. They'll uh, they'll figure that out. I want to link. Uh, we'll put in the show notes to uh, Serenity, our friend Serenity Caldwell, wrote a very nice piece on iMore about the design language changes in iOS 10, and we will talk about this more over the summer, I'm sure, um, because it's one of my favorite things about iOS 10. And hmm. your folder animation is a good example of it, where one of the things that they've decided to do is have this approach of items I- items coming uh, forward to you. Instead of having this kind of zoom and fade fade down, yeah. they're, they're, um, one of the things that was a feature of their iOS 8 and iOS, was it 7? Which was the one that first ditched skeuomorphism? 7. It was 7. It, one of the features about that that I always liked was this idea of the, the um, semi-translucent uh, sheet uh so you would see like things obscured, but it wouldn't dim. They would just become like fuzzed out in the background and uh ios 10 does a lot more of that and i think in a good way where you've got you've got stuff in the foreground and other stuff in the background um the folder animation is an example of that where you know the background stays where it is and the folder kind of comes forward and the background just kind of gets fuzzed out um and i think maybe it helps with your mental geography of the system that uh that the stuff is mostly staying where it is and this thing's just moving up toward you and then it moves it recedes back uh but serenity has a nice piece about all of the all of the design language changes that are happening in ios 10 that people should check out yeah it's a good that's a good piece and yeah there is a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going on there yeah um i'm waiting for it to one settle in for me and two settle into the betas i, I want to see how beta yeah. two looks before i think about beta one too much because History has shown that any UI changes get some some tweaks. Yeah, I think I think once they're in production, everybody looks at them and goes, I don't know about this, and they do make some changes in the betas, for sure. Anybody who's ever written anything, by the way, inside baseball here, uh, about iOS or, or macOS or whatever, um, yeah, you, you write your book or whatever or your review, and you take screenshots, and you know that you have to take all the screenshots again at the end of the process when the thing ships, because it changes during the betas. Like, visual changes happen, and uh, you, know, you may not notice if you're using it day-to-day, or if you're just reading about it but if you write about it let me tell you you absolutely notice any screenshots you take today uh, while you're writing your book about ios 10 you're gonna have to take them again in september it's just gonna happen because they they will tweak it as they go which is good they should tweak it it's you know the design is as tweakable as the code is really if you're you're trying to decide like oh that doesn't work let's make some changes there i also like um that there is a new spotlight ui on the ipad so when you hit command space on a keyboard now, uh, it doesn't actually take you back to the home. <laughs> uh, it, it, when you, it doesn't take you back to the home anymore. Yeah, it's the same for command tab. It just overlays. Fantastic. So great. Yeah, that was that was always kind of a bizarre thing where you'd hit command space and it would uh, move you to the home screen and then bring up search. And so that, that animation was time when you'd be typing. Exactly. Exactly. You don't need to do that anymore. So I'm really excited about that. It's very smart. It shows some consideration at it. I'm going to throw out uh, my my favorite minor feature. I mean, I think widgets in general. They they talked about them, but I I think they've got a lot of potential. I'm excited about them. But one of my pet features 
is getting addressed, which is if you have an external keyboard attached to an iPad and you go to settings keyboard, you will see a submenu for external hardware keyboard. I think it's called hardware keyboard. And it lets you turn autocorrect and auto capitalization oh. on or off wow. for the hardware keyboard. That's great. It's so great. It's so great because, you know, as I've said before, um, I love autocorrect on software keyboards and hate it on hardware keyboards because I know how to type words correctly with a hardware keyboard. Turns out not with a software keyboard, though. I don't know at all that. So and uh, and that's in there. So that that's a feature that I I think is going to be great. I'm very excited about it. And then the other thing I'd mention, which, again, uh, not I I guess it doesn't count as one of Nathan's minor features, but I've gotten a chance to play with Swift Playgrounds. uh, Another topic we'll probably talk about later this summer as this goes along. Uh, But it's great. It's just it's the it's great. They they're not kidding. They built just with the the tutorials that they built. You know they're building educational tools inside this uh, development playground app that they that they built, and I think it's going to be uh, very popular in uh, various sorts of education programs. So it's exciting. Julian asked, "Do you think that we'll get individual upgrades from the Apple built apps inside of iOS 10 now that they're featured in the App Store?" Um, This was discussed on the talk show (laughs) as well. Uh, They went into a bit of detail here. So in case you don't know, you'll be able to remove the uh, Apple applications from your phone now. So you can remove mail, you can remove calendar, etc. Right. Well, from from your screen. Exactly. Because they're not (laughs) actually App Store apps. Apple is using the App Store as the obvious way to people to get these applications back to their devices. But even if you delete an app, in air quotes, from your phone, the resources for these apps continue to be a part of the OS but you just disable the application from view and remove the user data attached to it. They will still be updated of each iOS release. Yeah, so they're part of the, uh, the system bundle. And they actually said one of the reasons why this is the case is that uh, cryptographically, the OS is signed. And if you make changes to the OS binary, including these stock apps, uh, they it breaks the, the signature. It breaks the verification of it. You can't, you can't do that. So they would have to remove them all and then download them all. And they're integrated with the system, so they can't do that. So somebody said it's actually a lot like what Microsoft had to do with Internet Explorer, which it was so deeply embedded in the system, but they could basically let, let you delete the icon <laughs> if you really didn't want it there. And uh, it's a little bit like that. And what's, what's interesting is they, and Schiller talked about it, it's like, what's our UI for bringing them back? And they, they just decided the App Store is the UI. So I think Schiller got a big laugh when he said, uh, if you go to Restore Mail and you tap the, that download button, it's going to be really fast because it's not actually downloading anything. It's just bringing the icon back. Yeah, so... I think but that's it's, fine it's, with me. Yeah, that's fine with me. I it's just want a smart keep... way to do it, right? Yeah. Because if you de- if you delete yeah. an application, where would you go to get it back? Yeah, and and I'm fine with uh, this approach because I'm not concerned about the 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 size of these apps. I I more like just want them to go away if I and not and not clutter up my app search and not get in my way because. I don't if I don't use them I just want them to go away and this will make them out of sight if the if the stocks app is still lurking there behind the scenes whatever I don't care I just don't want to see it 
Mike asked, does watchOS 3 replace the home screen? If so, with what? So this is something that we weren't sure of last week, so it's also a bit of follow-up. The right. honeycomb, as we call it, um, I think Serenity called it the carousel. I don't even know what it's called. But the, the, the home screen with all the little circle icons still exists in watchOS 3. It's just being de-emphasized now, I think. Yeah, that's where you go... If you want to launch an arbitrary app that's not in your dock, it's not on a complication, you can go to the home screen uh, or you can use Siri to open it. And uh, those are ways of doing Think it. Think of it as like your second screen on your iPhone. Yeah, I kind of wish they would give you at least the option of viewing it as a, a list instead of uh, just those icons. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's still there. It's just that that's the... That's, I mean, the dock metaphor is the is a good one, which is you've got your Mac apps that you put in your dock, and then you've got your applications folder that has everything. It's funny that they drew from uh, Mac OS instead of iOS for naming conventions and the kind of overall thinking. Well, I mean, there is a dock on iOS too, but it's not... I mean, this seems very much more like a Mac yeah. OS dock where it's down at the bottom and it kind of pops up and you can uh, cycle through them and... It's uh yeah, but it's that's the story. So you, you it's still there, but I think what Apple would like is for you not to need it very often. Craig wants to know, and I'm directing this 100 percent at you. Do, do we know any of the specifics about the new Apple file system? Uh, well, it's there's a there's a session that you can you can watch on the developer site or in the WWDC app, and I believe anybody can watch those. It's dry. I asked John Syracuse about that session. And he's like, yeah, it's not that exciting, and he really cares about the file system. But uh, you know, there's a bunch of cool stuff in there. There are. Uh, it's gonna. I think it's gonna dramatically improve Time Machine because Time Machine is a hack. They make all these hard links. And it's just it's a, it's such a hack, and uh, they're going to be able to throw that away on these new systems and do it in a completely different way that should be a lot more efficient. Um, it's got uh, some new concepts in terms of making duplicates of your files, like making a copy of a file. Now, when you make a copy, it's sort of like downloading uh, the mail app from the app store. It's instant because when you make a copy, it actually just makes a new file icon that's pointing at the same data on the drive and then as you modify those files they will gradually diverge on the disk Um, but but it saves well no it's actually it's really clever so if you've got like you've got like a package with 300 files in it and uh, you make a copy of it and you start to edit that rather than making a duplicate of the space on your hard drive somewhere else just use them it, 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 yeah, and then over time, like as you make changes, yeah. those changes save to the disk, mm-hmm. uh, along with the stuff that remains on the disk from the previous file, and it all just works. And uh, I mean, it's, it sounds scary until you realize that like all your files are scattered around on your disk, and the file system is managing them anyway. So it's just it's more of that, but it's smarter. There's like file level encryption that's happening. It's I think it's going to allow better security between like uh, different users on the disk. Um, there's uh it's like timestamps down to the nanosecond um uh, snapshots for like uh the ability to say take a snapshot of the system and then restore it later which is going to be good i think especially in like lab conditions when you need to wind the uh the system back to a, a pristine state after a kid has been messing around with it all day in a classroom um a bunch of other stuff the one thing that it does not have in this current version anyway uh and John Syracuse had talked about this, is it doesn't seem to have data uh, protection 
in the sense of checking files to see if they have um if they're the 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 bits have changed this is john's famous thing about like how my photos you know as my photos get backed up and copied have they been broken or do they still have integrity have 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 there been errors introduced in my files that you can have this silent error introduced and that what starts to get backed up and you lose the original um and he said this doesn't have that but it's not like they couldn't add it to this this is a thoroughly modern file system um and although that that presentation is dry and not the not the most exciting something i took out of it that i was very impressed by is the scope of what they had to do here because what the file system people were asked to build was a tool to scale from devices as small as the apple watch to as big and powerful as the mac pro and they and all devices are going to run this file system so yeah that that's quite a challenge but um it's uh i think it's it's going to be good it's not going to really impact anybody until next year because the version of it now is a test version that you basically can't do anything with it and that's good because nobody should do things on a beta beta file system but uh but in the end i think it will provide a lot more uh file system integrity uh be more resilient across crashes like power outages and things like that just all all of those things that a file system i i I meant to ask phil schiller this but it's like i remember getting briefed about hfs plus in 1998 at macworld probably by phil schiller um and that is a long time ago and that was the last major file system update for apple so they've come a long way (laughs) time for a new file system so 2017 will be that time and final question this week, John asked, what effect on battery are we expecting from all of this on-device processing of photos? Ah. Are we looking at background tasks or on-demand? And apparently, the bulk of this processing happens at night when your device is plugged in and charging. And then for every photo that's taken, it then does it automatically. Yeah, just as you snap the photo, it does all the processing. And uh, Federici said at the talk show that... Um, you know, the GPU is doing this. And he said, it sounds like a lot. It's an impressive number of calculations it does, however many million calculations it does. But that's a fraction of a second for the GPU on an iPhone. Fraction of a second. So they do that on the fly. They do all the data analysis embedded in the metadata and then move along. But yeah, I uh, upgraded our uh, uh, test phone to iOS 10 and left it plugged in. And it sort of stayed warm overnight. Yeah, but but it processed even with iCloud Photo Library, where it didn't have all the device, all the images on the device at full quality. It still processed everything, and the next day I was able to search for lakes or cats and find Horses photos and in my phone. Yeah, I I looked for lakes and cats because I'm different that way. Mm-hmm. Valleys and cows, um, and uh, it didn't find any cows. Uh, but uh, anyway, it, it, it is going to do that. Um, when it's in a restful state, it's got it's plugged in and on Wi-Fi, and it will churn. Um, but uh, but then it just happens every time you take a shot. That shot is processed and analyzed with all of Apple's machine learning, deep thought API, Ugh. blah blah blah, brain power thing. All right, so that brings us to the end of Ask Upgrade, which brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you'd like ah. to find our show notes, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 94. In fact, to find Jason online, he's over at sixcolors.com and theincomparable.com. Um, and you can find Jason at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our lovely sponsors for this week's episode, Ministry of Supply, Pingdom, and PDF Pen from Smile. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. 
Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, everybody.